Delane and jams it down. Taking you behind the scenes and inside the locker room. You're listening to The Raptors Beat with Josh Lewinberg and Nikki Reyes on TSN 1050. The Raptors live here. Welcome to the Raptors Beat. Josh and Nikki here with you as we get you set for playoff basketball between the Raptors and the Philadelphia 76ers tipping off this Saturday at 6 p.m. You can catch that on TSN. But Josh, we got a lot coming up in this next hour. Kem Birch goes one-on-one with you to preview the series. We have Tom Moore, a sports columnist for the Bucks County Courier Times, and he covers the 76ers. Going to give us his insights on the team and kind of what to expect. But since the Raptors found out that they're going to be playing Philly on Sunday, I don't know about you, Josh, but this week feels like it's been taking forever just to get to Saturday, to get to the action. I'm sure both teams appreciate the time to prepare and to plan. Yesterday, the Raptors practicing, and they had a media availability that you were at. So I'm asking you, what were the vibes like? What's the feel in the room? And what were some of the takeaways you had from uh, Nick Nurse holding court for over 20 minutes with the media? Yeah, I mean, there, there's definitely a quiet confidence with, with this team right now and a not-so-quiet confidence with the fan base going into this series. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there there's a sense here that the Raptors are, are definitely well-positioned to upset Philadelphia to the point now where I'm not even sure most people would view it as an upset. I We'll, we'll hear the interview with Ken Birch later on, but he, he was basically saying, too, that, like, yeah, based on how well they've been playing and... I'm sure they have in the back of their minds, too, how well they've played against Joel Embiid and Philadelphia. They're they're confident. And I would just say, in terms of standouts from yesterday, listen, it's it's what we've come to expect from teams going into a playoff series. There's always that gamesmanship, right? Like, that's what these things are all about. In the same way that I can bet you there'll be a lot of talk about officiating in both directions after game one, the the game outside of the game, part of that game outside of the game going into the series is being coy about your lineups and who's going to be available to you. And that, and that was one of the things that stood out from that Nick Nurse mm-hmm. press conference yesterday was he mentioned health as a, as a question mark when I asked about what the starting lineup might look like. And, and when I followed up, I'm like, well, is, is everyone here? <laughs> is everyone practicing? We, we didn't get a whole lot back from from, from that. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I guess the concern would be with Fred Van Vliet and OG Ananobi, but I, listen, I, I don't buy it. I, I think Fred, <laughs> we talked about this last week that one of the benefits of clinching the playoff spot as early as they did is they could manage the last three games, however they, they wanted to, and that they have this week off to, to watch the play-ins and get ready for game one so by saturday fred will have had 10 days off to rest that knee we'll, we'll talk to him today i i, I don't think he's 100 percent. i don't think the knee injury has just gone away but I, I imagine he's good to go it's just a question of what kind of condition he'll be in and that that seems like the question with og as well as nurse was saying like okay he's looked good this week but he was a little bit sore after that season finale in new york on sunday 
and they're just mm-hmm. not quite sure what to expect from him from a conditioning standpoint after he missed 19 of the last 25 games. But, I mean, obviously health is going to be huge for both of these teams in the same way the Raptors have had a week to rest. So it's Philadelphia, and so has James Harden and his wonky hamstring. Right, yeah. So Nick Nurse, classic Nick Nurse misdirection there from him. And the only person we yeah, do know not that's not going to be at least playing. I know. No, you can. You can. He's proven it time and time again, this misdirection. Um, but we, we do know, of course, that Matisse Thibel is going to miss action in Toronto because uh, of his unvaccinated status or his one vaccine. He didn't get the second one. Anyways, um, but you were talking about confidence, and, and yes, the, the Raptors won the season series three games to one. How much do you take from that and the history that these two organizations have with each other? Can you rely on anything from there? Can you draw from anything from those? I mean, really all I'm drawing from the history is that I, like, I think this is going to be a fun, competitive series. I'm not going to be surprised if the Raptors win the series, I'm also not expecting it. Like, I do think that things have sort of tilted in the opposite direction to where people are, are even around the league, like not just in Toronto, this isn't like a Homer thing. This isn't like a, a Raptors fans thing. It's it, like around the league. There are, there are experts. There are uh, pundits around the NBA that the, the Raptors are a very sexy upset pick right now to the point where like I said I'm not even sure that they it feels like an upset I think a lot of people are are talking about Raptors in six and all that to the point where I I'm not sure that Philadelphia is getting enough respect like the Raptors yes they've matched up well against Philadelphia in the past but Joel Embiid is not the same player he was three years ago James Harden hasn't looked like James Harden a whole lot since the trade but he's still James Harden right like talent takes you a long way come playoff time not always but that that a lot of the time is the most dangerous thing at this time of the year is superstar talent and the Sixers have more of it than any team in the Eastern Conference in, in terms of that Harden and Embiid pairing uh, we talk about the Raptors being one of the hottest teams in the Eastern Conference um since the All-Star break, they had the third best record in the East. Well, guess who had the second best record in the East? It was Philadelphia. So they've had a great season. Joel Embiid obviously has had a great season, an MVP caliber season. They're really good. They're favored for a reason. The Raptors are, are of course, going to have a shot in this series. Um, And I like their chances. I just don't know that I love their chances. I'm definitely not going with Raptors in six. I think it's going seven. I'd still lean more Philly in seven, but like I said, my expectations are, and it's a high bar for these two considering the last two two times that they met in the playoffs, the only two times that they met in the playoffs, it's gone seven games and it's um, come down to one final last second shot, one that didn't go in for Vince Carter in 2001, one that did famously (laughs) go in for Kawhi Leonard. It took four bounces, but it eventually went down 18 years after that Vince Carter shot. Very similar shot on the opposite in the opposite corner. Uh, so yeah, I, I should, I'm I'm intrigued by this matchup for sure. I think it's going to be fun. I, you know, when you look at that 2019 series, Nick Nurse was talking about just the swings in each game, like blowout losses, blowout wins, and literally, as you just said, it came down to the final shot in the final second. It's hard to gauge for me the season series, although the Raptors did win it because they were missing 
important pieces, uh, you know, in yeah. each game. Like o OG and Fred were missing a couple of those. Chris Boucher missed one. I think Pascal did. And then Joel and Embiid on the other side. So it's really yeah. hard to kind of gauge that. And you talk about relying so much on, you know, the, the star power uh, for each team. This is where, you know, obviously rotations get shortened. Uh, the bench is going to, you know, who knows who's going to be coming off the bench. And we've been talking all season about Toronto's bench and how – I don't know, I, let's be kind when I say this, uh, the lack of production, if you will, you know, 30th in points. But Philly's bench as well isn't uh, too yeah. sexy either. You know, they rank 28th in terms of production. But, you know, so when I say this, I'm just like, who do you think is going to be the X factor for the Raptors? Because for me, I keep flip-flopping on what my answer is. I'm curious to know what you think. Yeah, I, I mean, I could probably give you like three or four X factors right. in, in, for for each team, right? Like, yeah, I mean, I, I think the bench is important. I, I don't expect Nick Nurse to go very deep into his rotation. Definitely not more than nine guys. I, I think primarily you're sticking with eight guys. It'll be interesting to see. We'll talk a little bit more about lineups and rotations in a bit. Um, so I, I think a lot of it will have to do uh, depend w with how he uses Kem Birch as like that ninth guy. But yeah, the, the bench primarily is going to be Boucher, Achua, Thad Young. And that trio has actually been really good for the Raptors. Like yeah. as much as the, the Raptors bench struggled this year, the addition of Thad Young was actually something of a turning point because those three have come in and have really changed games. So, yeah, I mean, I think all three of them to some degree could be an X factor here. Boucher and Achua both had really good games against Philadelphia this year, so I think they could be important. I mean, obviously, OG Ananobi is an X factor, as we talked about, just because I'm, I'm not sure that you know what to expect from him from a health standpoint. And if he is healthy, he's extremely important to this team. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I agree with you. I think it's hard to glean much from the season series. In fact... When I do look back at the season series and I have kind of looked back to see what are some of the trends and, and all that, I, I'm, I'm almost ignoring those first two games altogether. Sure. They yeah. came early in the season. The first one came without Siakam and Embiid. Yeah, th there are caveats all over the place because OG and Fred only played in that first meeting and, and Scotty Barnes was missing in the second meeting as well. But I, I'm looking at the last two meetings specifically only because they, they both came in the last three weeks. They both came after the Harden uh, trade. And mm -hmm. I, I would say, like, if I'm going to take anything from those games, it's the, the way the Raptors need to win this series is, is essentially the way that they won those two games to where they turn those games into, as Nick Nurse said yesterday, a slugfest. That, that's how they have to win this series. They out-rebounded uh, Philly 97-77, to 32-11 on the offensive glass. They won the possession battle. They attempted combined 36 more shots than Philadelphia in those two games. Again, they're, they're not going to have more talent on the floor than Philly. They're probably not going to have the best player in the series. I think they they're gonna need if they're gonna win this series they're gonna need to have the second best player Pascal Siakam needs yeah. to be better in this series than James Harden and Fred VanVleet can't be too far behind either but if you don't have the talent advantage you've got to outwork them you you've got to turn it into a slugfest you've got to be physical with them I, I, and that's how the Raptors have been winning games this year is winning the possession battle.
outworking teams, out hustling teams. That's their identity, and that that's how this has to play out if the Raptors are gonna get the upset and win the series. I think you just hit the nail on the head when you said that the second best player in the series is Pascal Siakam. I know of James Harden, and I give him respect because he's a former MVP, but you're right. He doesn't look like the James Harden we've seen dominate uh, in years past. And it's funny because Nick Nurse was asked about it uh, yesterday about taking advantage of the minutes when Embiid is on the bench. In the last yeah. two games, the Raptors did exactly that and were able to get themselves back in games and get themselves in win- those wins. Um, Philly was outscored 61-36 to and Embiid's 21 minutes on the bench in the last two games. And Nurse was, you know, again, being a little bit coy. He just didn't want to admit to it, but he's like, oh, you know, I don't want, I don't know. How do I answer that? But the, the answer is you have to take advantage when Embiid is on the bench. When the best player is out of the game, they absolutely have to do that. Um, and, you know, I look at some, we'll, we'll dive more into how to attack Joel Embiid and, and with your one-on-one with, with Kem Birch. Um, but I want to ask you this before I forget about it. Like, who is the pressure on? Do you think it's, how much pressure, actually, I should say, is on Philly? We know the history of Doc Rivers um, blowing 3-1 series leads. He's done it three <laughs> different times in his career. The only coach that I've ever done that. You look at Embiid, you look at Harden. Even Daryl Morey, I would say, there's pressure on him. So how much pressure is on this Philly uh, organization? A a lot. And I know James Harden was talking yesterday and saying that he doesn't feel pressure. And maybe he doesn't. Like, I don't think there's pressure specifically on Harden. Um, There's some, certainly, because he forced his way to Philly and has been sort of painted as as the savior here in some respect, just in the way that Philadelphia Mm -hmm. went out and brought him in to help them get over the hump. But I think, like, more than anything else, it's the team that traded for him. It's the team that needs that savior that hasn't been able to get over the hump. They're definitely feeling the pressure. You could see it even in Doc Rivers, who's been one of the best coaches with the media for for his entire NBA career. I've seen him snap at the media more over the last couple weeks than than ever before. Um, this, This is definitely a team that's feeling pressure. They should be feeling pressure. They haven't been able to get past the second round. They have an MVP in his prime. Um, they've already made the coaching change a couple of years ago. There was the whole Ben Simmons drama leading to the acquisition of Harden. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't think then like Philadelphia, there, there's not a lot of patience there amongst that fan base at the best of times, let alone when you've continued to uh, c- come to, to hit that wall in, in the playoffs. So, yeah, it's for them, like it's not just about beating the Raptors and, and getting past round one. Anything less than a deep playoff run here, a serious run at the championship is going to be deemed a failure. It's going to be a disaster for Philadelphia. So. Yeah, there's a lot of pressure there in terms of, like, what that actually means for this team. I don't know. Like, maybe it's a good thing for them. Maybe they need that pressure. Maybe they rise to the occasion. Or maybe they don't. Like, maybe they can't overcome that pressure. I think either way, it's it's a good thing for the Raptors because I'm not sure that you want to be the team with all of the pressure going into the playoffs. Definitely not as a young team. Like, maybe when you got Kawhi. The Raptors clearly had the pressure going into right. the series in, in the 2019 series. But for, for this team, it sort of fits, right? Like, they're, they're young. They can come in. They can play loose. They can be the underdog. Um, and I don't think that they have a lot to lose. I, I don't think that they're just happy to be here. They, they expect to win. They want to make noise in the playoffs. They think they can. I think they can. But 
there is that sense that they're kind of playing with house money a little bit, that they've already exceeded expectations mm-hmm. this year. Whatever happens from here, this is going to be the season's going to be considered a resounding success. So I, I think it's a good thing for the Raptors in terms of how Philly's going to live up to that pressure. Yeah, we're, we're going to find out, but I, I think that's a, a really important storyline for them because it is kind of put up or shut up time for them. It, it really is. And when you were talking about Doc Rivers snapping at the media, it was a bit jarring to see that because he's usually yeah. a very, you know, uh, straight he plays it straight and and he's a really charming you know coach and and when he speaks and um yeah if he's he's already getting a little edgy it's i'm like okay well that's interesting uh to see but you you talk about it uh, you know we talk about it all the time how the raptors are playing uh with house money here and just being in the playoffs having that experience was really the goal uh nick nurse talks about it so often just to have for guys like scotty guys like gary um to learn from that I'm curious, just like, what what do you think we're going to see from someone like Scotty or someone like Gary? You know, we talk about the moment in the playoffs and all the pressure uh, and the swings of emotions from not just game to game, quarter to quarter. And they have that experience, of course, with, with Pascal and Fred having been there. I would throw OG in there as well. And, of course, yep. Thad, you mentioned, you wrote a great article uh, on his experience and, and what he can bring. But what what do you think we're going to see from someone like scotty uh you know in the biggest games of his career it's a really great question and and that's why i'm a little bit reluctant to jump on the raptors in six bandwagon because listen we've Mm. seen it so many times before even if we're talking about the raptors like we've seen it with kyle lowry and demar Derozan early in their raptors careers and playoff careers because it's not like lowry and and demar had never made the playoffs before 13-14. 13-14. Lowry, I think, did very briefly with, with Houston. That was a new experience for them, and it didn't go especially well. Like, I mean, that, that first series, the the uh, Brooklyn series in 13-14, went seven <laughs> games, and that's why I yeah. say, like, I expect this team to be scrappy. I expect them to fight hard, and they're not going to quit because that's just who they are, but it's not always going to be pretty. There There is going to be a learning curve. There is going to be growing pains, and Yeah, I mean, in the same way that I think there was a learning curve for this group, this young team at the beginning of the season, and Nick Nurse talks about it all the time now, where, like, beginning of the year, they they couldn't execute certain things on either end of the floor that they they can now. Like, I think that they're – it's not necessarily the same learning curve, but it's going to be a different learning curve here early in the postseason, early in the series. It's just a question of how quickly they learn on the fly and pick things up and whether they can kind of fight through some of those things to where even if it's not, even if Scotty isn't playing well or they're not shooting the ball well, they can still find a way to hang around in this series. That's going to be the question, ultimately determine whether or not the Raptors have a chance here. But I do think, like, there's going to be some moments for Scotty and for Gary. Gary's been in the playoffs with Portland, but I think with him and, like, Precious, like, this is going to be their first postseason in a primary or in a prominent role. So, yeah, like, that yeah. that's not that's not nothing, right? And I, I really liked uh-huh. Nurse's answer to uh, a question I asked him yesterday about Fred Van Vliet and his series in 2019 against Philadelphia and what he ultimately took from that. And, and what Nurse said was, like, what he took from it is that, like, 
whether things go your way or not in the playoffs, like each game is a different entity. Each series obviously is a different entity and you've got to kind of be patient with it and understand that like things aren't always going to go your way. Yeah. And they're going to have to learn that and learn that quickly. And I'm curious to see what version, you know, you were talking about Scotty is, is going to show up and, and look, consistency is hard enough for, veterans let alone rookies uh to find you know night in and night out and even doc rivers was talking about it uh at practice yesterday like this this their team still looking for consistency as well and and i think that's going to be a, a key here to success amongst uh, other things yeah um we're going to take a quick break but we still got to talk joel and bead we mentioned him briefly can't talk about him briefly when it comes to this series. He's going to be the focal yeah. point. <laughs> Top of the Raptors scouting report. We're going to do our own little Joel Embiid scouting report in terms of, okay, how the Raptors slowed him down before. Can they do it again? And we're going to talk to a guy that is going to play a big part of that. Kem Birch uh, had a chance to sit down with him for a few minutes yesterday. So we're going to play that interview. And um, Tom Moore, who uh, writes for the sports, uh, sorry, the Bucks County Courier Times covers the Sixers. We'll chat with him later as well. That's all coming up here on the Raptors Beat. Welcome back, Josh and Nikki with you. Of course, the Raptors have had a few days now to prepare for Philadelphia. The benefit of being able to sit at home, watch the planes rather than participate in them. Nick Nurse and company putting together a game plan here for the Sixers. And knowing Nick Nurse, it's going to be an extensive game plan. And, of course, it starts with Joel Embiid, the Sixers superstar center, who's having an MVP caliber season, the first center to win the NBA scoring title since Shaquille O'Neal did it more than two decades ago. They've had success against him before, but of course he's better than he's ever been before. And whether they're able to slow him down again could go a long way in determining whether or not the Raptors are able to win this series. I had a chance to sit down with Kem Birch yesterday. We talked about the season that he's had, some of the challenges he's faced, specifically with that knee injury and how he's feeling now. But of course, we talked about Joel Embiid. So let's have a listen to that interview. Your first playoff experience came with Orlando against, ironically, this team. After everything you've been through over the last couple of years, what does it mean for you to be back in the playoffs and, and to be back in the playoffs with this Raptors team? Oh, it feels amazing. Um, you know, my whole family, my friends, everyone's going to come support. So, and also in just representing my country, um, my hometown team. So, you know, it feels good. And like I said, it actually feels like I'm representing my country. So it's an exciting uh, moment for me. Yeah. What do you remember about that first playoff experience? What did you take from it? And what can you pass on to some of these younger guys? Uh, what I remember was like how intense it was, you know, and how serious it was also. Um, you know, every possession count matters. And also you got to play as a teammate. Uh, you can't worry about your own agenda. And uh, you just got to focus on winning because right now all the stuff you do regular season doesn't matter. You just That's what I'll tell a young guy. You just got to basically just focus on winning and just let the game come to you. You guys have exceeded so many expectations, or at least the expectations that other people had for you guys this year. If I would have asked you in October, what would make a successful season for this team? What would you have said? I would have said actually making the playoffs. You know, um, 
that's what it is. But now I think uh, the expectation is to probably get out the first round. You know, you don't want to look too far into it, but you know, with this with this team, you know, I think uh, making the playoffs is not enough. You just want to do more than we can because uh, we, we're capable of it and we have a good team. You've gone through so much this year. It almost seems like you've been snake bitten with some of these, some of these injuries. But the, the big one, obviously, has been the knee. First of all, how are you feeling, and how tough has it been to navigate through this year? I mean, um, I actually like this year. Game is like you know, I, I love adversity. I've been going through it my whole career, so you know, I, I, it's, it's nothing new to me. But my knee is actually kind of feeling better and better. I mean, it's a 24-7 thing, and the fact that we're in the playoffs and you can just focus on one team and, you know, less practice. And it's actually helped, helps me, you know, because now I can just focus on my knee now and also just focus on one team. I love how open and honest you've been this year about the injury, but also about your role. And one of the things that you said is you're not somebody that needs to go out there, or even wants to go out there and score every night that you do the little things. And one of those things, of course, is defending. How much do you embrace the opportunity to go up against an MVP caliber, caliber player like Joel Embiid? That's a good test. Um, you know, uh, he's, he's a great player and uh, like probably the best player, one of the top five best players in the NBA right now. So it's a great test. And I love stuff like that. You know, I don't shy away from anybody. And I'm looking, up, I'm looking forward for the challenge because, like I said, he's a great player. You guys don't, just the way that the roster's constructed, you don't have a player that can match Embiid in terms of, like, the physical size one-for-one, one. but you guys have had success against the primary defender on him. How much are you relying on the defense being tied in and for that help to come? I mean... I know it's coming, but at the same time, I feel like you gotta hold your own yeah. until it comes. I don't, I don't expect the people to um, come and help me, you know, because in Orlando we didn't do that. Um, we used to, you know, have to guard them one on one. So I just, I don't rely on the help. I, I just feel like you gotta hold your own at first, and then help, let the help come, and it actually makes it better. Technically, you guys are, are the underdogs in this series as the five seed going up against the four seed, but you've been playing so well. I, I know you guys aren't lacking for confidence. Does it feel like you're the underdog? Uh, not really. Um, I just feel like we're just, I don't really. It's funny because I'm not on the internet or anything, so I don't know. I just, just I don't feel like anything. I just feel like we just gotta go out there and play. Like, I'm not really into like the underdog and uh, all that uh, stuff. I just want to go out there and just win basketball games. Well, good for you. Stay off the internet. You're not missing anything. I know. Yeah, for sure. 100. percent I deleted my Instagram. I just want to take care of my daughter. Uh, just focus on basketball and focus on my family. That's it. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Thanks, Kem. Appreciate it, and good luck in the series. Thanks, man. There he is. Raptors forward, center, center, forward. Raptors big man, Kem Birch. Good man, <laughs> staying off that internet. Smart, yes. And, and some good points there as well. Like, we know that it, Marcus All ain't walking through that door, right? Like, the Raptors don't have the luxury of throwing a 7-foot, 200 and... I don't know, 60-pound former defensive player of the year against Embiid and, and wrestling with him, battling with him in single coverage. They don't have that guy. Just like the way that this roster is constructed, going up against a player like Embiid, I, I know teams always say it's like the cliche, it's, it's a team effort. You always say, you always hear it's a team effort when, when teams talk about defending the other team's best player. But in this case, it, it actually is because it needs to be 
And the Raptors have had success against Embiid, even in this post-Gasol era, because they've been able to show him multiple bodies, send multiple defenders on the catch, deny him the ball, be really physical with him, force him uh, out of the paint and, and away from his spots. And they've been able to get inside of his head, and that's a big part of it as well. There's the mental game, and when you've got an MVP-caliber player that's literally admitted, it was around a year ago on the Zach Lowe podcast, telling Zach that the Raptors, Nick Nurse, this is the only team in the league that's really been able to mm-hmm. get him out of his, his comfort zone. That's a big part of it, too. Like he, He's going to have to overcome not just... Nick Nurse and the schemes and and all of that and all the length and athleticism they're going to throw at him, but also this idea in his mind that he has had trouble against the Raptors. Yeah, yeah, he he straight up said it. Toronto's the only team that just doesn't allow him to have the ball in his hands, and they they swore him. He's like, they won't leave me alone, and it is going to be a challenge. Uh, So kind of back to your question uh, for Nick Nurse, and, and, and although he avoided it, who do the Raptors start? You know, that, that starting lineup of OG, Pascal, Scotty, Gary, and Fred Van Vliet, we've only seen it 21 times uh, during the regular season. Is that an actual viable option to start with, Josh, or do you take someone like Ken Burch or put Precious Achua into the starting lineup? Although we know how much Nick Nurse loves bringing uh, Precious and Chris off the bench. Do we expect to see that? And another thing about starting with that, that lineup, of that small lineup, if you will, is that if those are your five best players, you know this is a team that loves to get to the free throw line. They, they parade to the free throw line. That is like, you know, their MO. Do you want your key five players to get into foul trouble? Because you need them, obviously, at both ends. Uh, so, you know, Nick Nurse obviously has a, a tough decision to make. And it doesn't sound like he's married to a decision, or at least he didn't want to tell you, Josh. <laughs> well, what we do know about Nick Nurse is whatever decision he makes for Game 1 is not necessarily going to be the case in Game 2 and Game 3. It might not even be yeah. the case to start the second half of Game 1. Like, that's how quickly things can change here. My bet is this. I think the Raptors will start Game 1 with their preferred smaller group. That, I mean, that, that's been Nurse's default lineup whenever those five guys have been healthy. In, in the 21 games, as you mentioned, where the Raptors have had all five of those guys this year, they've started. Um, and and they, they haven't done it against Philadelphia because they haven't been at full strength in any of the four meetings against the Sixers, so we don't know necessarily how they're going to match up with Embiid or how they prefer to match up with Embiid. But we have seen them start small against Jokic, for example. Uh, it, it didn't go especially well, and Nurse was reluctant about going that way. But I do think he gives them the shot just to see how it looks and maybe if they can force some advantages, some mismatches on the other end of the floor with all of that versatility and quickness and all of that. Um, I just, I, I think, I think it gets a quick hook if and when Embiid goes off, and my prediction would be that we see one of the centers in the starting lineup by, I don't know, by game three, by the time the series shifts to Toronto, especially if the Raptors don't win the first two games, and especially if Embiid has a really good start to the series, um, then the question just becomes, is it Birch or Achua, and who comes out of that starting lineup? That's a huge question too, right? Because... The only one of those five that's come off the bench this year is Gary Trent, and that was in the season opener. Um, I think 
like Scotty Barnes is probably the guy that that makes most sense there from a positional standpoint and from a role standpoint. But so much of the series for the Raptors is about getting Scotty as much experience, as many reps as possible. I'm not sure that they'd want to pull him out of the starting lineup, win or lose, whatever happens, whatever the result is. I, I think more than anything else, the goal here is to get Scotty that experience of maybe going up against an Embiid and to start and to play big minutes. So I don't know, like maybe it's it's Trent. I just think, yes, like you need to. In the end, it's going to be a team effort anyway. You need to send multiple defenders. Who the primary defender is, like, does that matter? The numbers suggest that maybe it does because, as Birch was saying, you need a guy that's going to be able to hold his own against Embiid at least long enough yeah. for the help to come and, and make a difference. Uh, Precious Achua is the player that spent the most time as the primary defender on Embiid this season, just under 60 possessions. And he held Embiid to 9 for 26 from the field 23 points only six free throw attempts which is huge in fact of the 37 players that have guarded Embiid on at least 40 possessions this year only Al Horford held Embiid to a lower field goal percentage than Achua um Achua and Birch combined uh 34 points for Embiid when when those two are the primary defenders 41 percent shooting only eight free throws whereas Siakam, Barnes, and Boucher, when they've been the primary defender, Embiid went for 53 points, 56% shooting, 17 free throw attempts. So I do think that might make a difference. I do think at some point in this series that starting lineup probably changes. But I agree with you. You made this point earlier. You're not going to stop Embiid. You're not going to stop him. You, you, you You have to make him work, but... Just as importantly as what you do when he's on the floor, you've got to take advantage of those minutes when he's off the floor. And, yeah, trying to keep them off the free throw line is going to be huge as well. Yeah, I like like Precious a lot on Embiid. Obviously, he has that foot speed to to keep up with him and and the the weight, the the, the mass to do it. And and he has, again, that speed to switch on the pick and roll that they run so often between – and beat and harden and and it is going to be a physically taxing uh it, it you know series when, when you think about having to slow this guy down um on, on both on both sides right like it's going to be you want to exhaust and beat and make it difficult for him and that takes a lot of effort of course uh to achieve and and, and so you were talking about the who was primarily guarding and when you look at james harden uh, for much of the season series, it was Scotty Barnes on him. Do you think that's going to continue, or, or do you see OG taking a little bit more uh, of the load here? Well, I, I think the answer to that is it depends what what the starting Sorry. lineup looks like. Yeah. <laughs> like if if there, if there is a center out there, then obviously that Birch or Achua is the primary defender on Embiid, freeing OG up to to guard Harden. But I think so. Going through those those numbers of of how Embiid did with all of these guys as the primary defender. The one name that I didn't say was OG Ananobi because we don't have data this year. The only meeting with Philadelphia that OG played in was that first one of the season when Embiid didn't play. So they haven't, OG hasn't faced Embiid this year. I, I do think if the decision is to stick with the small lineup, we probably see OG start the game on Embiid over Barnes or Siakam I just think I mean obviously he's giving up height there but in terms of physical strength and somebody that can actually be physical with him and push him off of his spot assuming OG is healthy and that's why I say the status of OG 
the condition of OG is huge because I, I think he's going to be really important on this in this series on both ends of the floor. But then especially if he's the guy that's tasked with at least starting games out and probably closing games out on Embiid, uh, that, that could be a big factor as well. We're going to look at this from the Philly side of things. We know that the Raptors are confident. As I said earlier, we know that the Raptors fans are really, really confident going into this series What's the vibe in Philadelphia? We're going to catch up with Tom Moore, sports columnist for the Bucks County Courier Times, covering the Sixers in Philadelphia. That's coming up next here on the Raptors Beat. Crunch time on the Raptors Beat. Hey, it's been a long week, but getting closer to Saturday as the Raptors and the Sixers get set to Renew a rivalry that dates back more than two decades now. The Vince Carter shot that didn't go in 18 years later. The Kawhi Leonard shot from the opposite corner that did go in. There's a history here. The bar has been set high, so we'll see what this series has in store. But let's go down to Philadelphia. Welcome in Tom Moore, sports columnist for the Bucks County Courier Times, covering the 76ers in Philadelphia. Tom, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, the Sixers, as we know, are favorites in this series, and deservedly so, but the Raptors have that quiet confidence about them. As I was saying earlier, Raptors fans have a not-so-quiet confidence about them going into this series. There seems to be that sense that this is a good matchup for Toronto and that they've got a shot here, but how are people feeling about this series in Philly? Yeah, Josh, it's kind of a mix. And by the way, I was right in line with uh, with uh, Vince Carter's shot, and I thought it was going in. I was right behind, like, where he shot it, the basket, and then me. And it was right on target. I thought it was going in. Um, I think he did, was, too. That was, that was something. Um, yeah, it, it's very mixed. And I think, I think the reason it's such an intriguing matchup is because the teams are so different. Their styles are so different. Their strengths are so different. So it's yeah. more about kind of who can figure out – like the Raptors in the, I I know it's a three and one in the regular season, but I kind of just look at the last two games since Harden got here, which were a pair of five point uh, Raptors wins. I believe in those two games the Raptors had 33 offensive rebounds to the Sixers 12, and that's a huge advantage. And it allowed the Raptors to shoot not a good percentage and win because in the two games they got 36 more field goal attempts. So if the Sixers don't get bodies on all those athletic six seven six eight six nine guys. Um, you know they're gonna they're gonna have a lot of trouble, and I, I think you're gonna see Embiid defend Siakam a lot more, whereas they tried other options, especially in that last game where Siakam just went nuts with a triple double and 37 points. But you know the, the the Raptors are a lot more athletic than the Sixers, are longer than the Sixers. Um, they like to get out and run, you know, get in transition. The Sixers are not a great transition defense team. Um, and you know, me on the other way, you know, the Sixers, it's about Embiid and. You know, uh, Nick Nurse's double teams and all that size, and can, can if he swings it, can guys knock down shots? Can Harden shoot the ball better than he's been? He's been, you know, struggling uh, from the outside since his first four games here, shooting under 40% um, in the last 17. So there's a lot of intriguing, you know, parts and a lot of things that m- could and should make this a really good series. Tom, we know Embiid is obviously going to be a problem in this series, but you were just talking about Harden there and and 21 games with the team, off to that hot start, as you said. But what has been the difference uh, with him and how concerned should, you know, the Raptors and Raptors fans be? You know, I know he's a former MVP, but he doesn't look like, you know, the former MVP anymore. 
Yeah, Nikki, he's not getting easy shots. And when he gets in the lane, he doesn't seem to have a lot of lift. Uh, he had a hamstring issue earlier this year. Doc Rivers insists the hamstring's fine. You know, Harden says the hamstring's fine, but he's not as explosive. He has, you know, he gets in traffic and he gets his shot blocked. And kind of an, uh, 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 an ironic thing this week, he's been working a lot on catch-and-shoot threes because he's used to having the ball in his hands, so he's more of a step-back three, create-his-own-shot guy. But with Embiid getting the ball on the double teams, which the Raptors and you know a lot of teams do, the ball is finding Harden when they swing it, and he's really not accustomed to kind of catch-and-shoot situations, even as a former MVP, perennial all-star, and so on. So after practice the previous two days, he spent a lot of time out there working on catch-and-shoot, you know, which is surprising for a guy who's been in the league that long and been an elite player. Um, yeah, I mean, the Sixers need him to make shots. He, he, he didn't – he's – He's shooting under 40% in the last two games um, and, you know, against the Raptors and struggling. And Embiid went six for 20 in that March game. You know, he, he's had trouble with that double team with six, nine and six, eight guys, whereas usually it's a smaller second guy doubling. You can just go over it. But when you have another, you know, two guys that are not much shorter than him and that can move as well as the Raptors, you know, plethora of old school, what I would call threes and fours now positionless basketball, who knows what they are, but, um, yeah, there's, they need Harden, even if, you know, even if, uh, you know, Harris knocks down some threes and Maxi, you know, continues, he's, he's really been a huge, uh, upgrade from a year ago His three point shootings, like 13% higher than last year. His scoring average is more than doubled. Um, even, even with, you know, even with Harden here, but, uh, but with Harden and the Sixers bench is, is very weak, especially, you know, with, with Thibault, you know, won't be there for the games up in Toronto in terms of athleticism, in terms of impact players. So can the Sixers buy time with Embiid on the bench that a 14-point lead all of a sudden doesn't become a two-point lead in four minutes and you got to hurry him back in and play the whole fourth quarter, which has been the case a lot over the past three uh, postseasons. Joined by Tom Moore, who covers the 76ers for the Bucks County Courier Times. And, Tom, the Sixers, as we know, haven't been able to get over the hump in the playoffs the last few years. They've got an MVP in his prime. They've brought in James Harden. They've already made a coaching change here. And i got to say, Doc has been more combative with the media over the last few months than, than I can ever remember him being. How much pressure is on this organization not just to beat the Raptors and get past the first round, but to go on a, a deep run in the playoffs this year? And what happens if they don't? Yeah, I think the Harden trade really, Josh, really kind of cemented that, you know, th their time is now. You know, Simmons wasn't playing. He wasn't going to play here, but he was 25 years old. Harden's 32 years old. He's got a $47 million option next year, and he's going to want a massive extension worth over $50 million a year. Um, so, you know, Daryl Morey making that move means they got to win now. Their, their window is probably this year and maybe the next two, you know, depending on what happens. So there's clearly some, you know, some pressure from within and from without um, for them to get this done because, you know, Harden's not going to get better. I, I, I think that's pretty apparent. He's not the player he was three or four years ago, but, you know, can he still be a – his – his, uh, you know, initiating the offense has been great. He's been really good at finding guys, but it's when he needs to score and needs to, you know, um, uh, you know, take over a game with his scoring since those first four, he really hasn't been able to do that, you know, as much. And the question is, can he do it? And we'll probably find out in this series, there's going to be moments where he's going to have to, you know, make a big shot or, 
you know, uh, get, you know, gets or whatever it is. And we'll see, you know, if he, if he can do that. And Van Vliet uh, has missed three of the four games against the Sixers, including the last two. So, and they've had trouble staying in front of their man, even with Van Vliet not out there. Um, so, uh, you know, there, there's so many things at play, you know, here. Tom, it's going to be a great series. I can't wait till Saturday rolls around. But last one for you. Who would you say is the X factor on the Sixers that uh, we need to look out for? The X factor. Well, I mean, the bench is pretty thin. Uh, you know, it could potentially be Paul Reed, who's a second-year, you know, four-five guy who's very athletic but raw, tends to commit fouls. Um, he could be the backup center. DeAndre Jordan has really struggled. I, you know, there's some concern that he's kind of done. Um, and if that's the case, with him being a more traditional center and the you know Raptors being smaller and more athletic. Um, I don't know, you know, how much of an impact he would have. So Reed could potentially, you know, get minutes as he did in the last game um, against the Raptors as the backup center. You know, can he stay on the floor? Can he be active? Can he get offensive rebounds and, you know, in, uh, impact shots, you know, inside? Because the bench, you know, especially with Fiebel not playing games three, four, and potentially game six, the bench is very, very thin. I could see Rivers only going maybe eight deep, you know, potentially – with uh, Corkmoss and uh, some of the other guys have really struggled this year. And it's kind of not the time to, you know, it's not the time to experiment in the playoffs with so much on the line. So, uh, yeah, I'm expecting a, you know, a really, really good series. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree. Like I said earlier, the bar has been set high with these Raptors Sixers series, but I, I think this is going to be fun. It's going to be competitive. As Nick Nurse said yesterday, it's going to be a slugfest. Well, I'm not sure I know what that means, but either way, <laughs> lots to look forward to here over the next few weeks. going to be a good one. And, Tom, appreciate you joining us. Hopefully we can catch up later in the series. Sure, that would be great. Thanks a lot, Josh and Nikki. Thanks, Tom. There, there he is, Tom Moore. Hey, it all, it all starts in a few days. It seems like it's it's been a long week here. I, I know a lot of people expected the Raptors to be playing here this week in the play-in. Um, but this is a, a much better position to be in, having that week to, to rest and prepare. And it's coming, Nikki. Game one, Saturday, 6 p.m. in Philadelphia. I'm just looking forward to that that buzz, that energy again. I remember those games in Philadelphia back in 2019. There was a serious atmosphere in that building. And then, of course, game three on Wednesday in Toronto. Jurassic Park is going to be... Yeah, full packed and yeah, it, it's it's going to be it's going to be good. This has been such a crazy season with the attendance restrictions and all the ups and downs at home and and in terms of like the atmosphere in the building. It's going to be cool to have that building filled up again and 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 the and the playoffs back here in Toronto. It's been a minute. Oh, I I can't wait. It it has felt like forever. Uh, Tom was such a great guest. He had such great information, and he really, not that this series needed to be sold to me any any further, but he he you know, man, I I am so ready for Saturday to get going and for these guys to get a taste of what it's like playoff basketball here in Toronto. And as we were talking about Scotty getting some experience and guys like Gary learning from these moments, it's just a, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. We'll, we'll be back with you next Thursday in between games three and four. In the meantime, you can check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, anywhere else where you get your podcasts. Please subscribe and follow, rate and review. 
on behalf of Christy Avero back in studio, Nikki Reyes, thanks for listening.